This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We start tonight's entertainment with The Shadow, one of the most popular radio shows in history, showing on the air in August of 1930. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. <laughs> well, the opening lines of the detective story program captivated listeners and are instantly recognizable even today. Originally, the narrator of the series of macabre tales, the eerie voice known as The Shadow, became so popular to listeners that detective story was soon renamed The Shadow. And the narrator became the star of the old-time mystery radio series, which ran until 1954. A figure never seen, only heard, the shadow was an invincible crime fighter. He possessed many skills and gifts which enabled him to overcome any enemy. Besides his tremendous strength, he could defy gravity, speak any language, unravel any code, and become invisible with his famous ability to cloud men's minds. The Shadow's exploits were also avidly followed by readers in The Shadow magazine, which began in 1931 following the huge success of the old-time mystery radio program. The magazine was published by Street and Smith, who had also sponsored the old-time mystery radio program. And over the course of 18 years, Street and Smith published 35 issues, uh, pardon me, 325 issues of The Shadow, each one containing a novel about the sinister crime fighter. These stories were written by Maxwell Grant, a fictitious name created by the publishing company. And although several different people wrote under the pseudonym, Walter B. Gibson wrote most of the stories. In fact, 282 in all. The episode we hear tonight is Touch of Death. Once again, the Mutual Broadcasting System brings you the thrilling adventures of the Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. And now, the Shadow. The Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Touch of Death. 
It is early afternoon. Lamont Cranston, in his dual role of the shadow, has just broken another case and is about to enter his apartment to get some much-needed rest. Oh, it'd be good to get these clothes off. 36 hours without a change. Why do some people have to be criminals to get what they want? Oh, oh well, I'll let the philosophers figure that one out. Wait for a quick shower and then... Good prepare. afternoon, Mr. Cranston. Huh? Uh, how did you... We've been waiting patiently in your kitchen. Nice view of the river, I must say. How did you get in here? I hope you'll forgive us for having raided your icebox, but you were gone such a long time. Who are you? What do you want? I'm Lucius Hawk. This is my sister-in-law, Molly Hawk. Hawk? Yes, I see the name rings a bell in your memory. Why shouldn't it? She sent Peter to the electric chair just two weeks ago. My brother, Mr. Cranston, I was very fond of Your him. brother was a murderer, Mr. Hawk. Nobody would have known about my husband if it hadn't been for you. In the shadow. Molly, put that gun away. Why should I? Peter is dead. Put it away. I told you no violence. I don't like the sight of blood. He's got no right to live. Him first... Then the shadow. Molly, will you do as I say or must I... No, no, don't come near me. I find you much too emotional at the wrong time. Don't touch me. I'll put the gun away. I'll listen to you. Well, that's better. We must remember to take good care of Mr. Cranston. We need him. What do you want? The shadow. What? <laughs> now you're being funny. I didn't laugh when I heard of my brother's death in the electric chair... I could have stopped it if I'd been here, Mr. Cranston, but I wasn't. I've spent nearly all the last ten years in the jungles of the Amazon, and it wasn't until I returned yesterday that I heard about my brother. It was quite a shock. How do you know the shadow had anything to do with it? Peter told me the last time I saw him, just before... If it hadn't been for your meddling, Cranston... Relax, Molly. But I... All right, Lucia. You're wasting your time. The shadow's invisible. No one can find it. I wonder... Do you think I can do what the underworld's failed to do in years? I'm going to make it your responsibility, Mr. Cranston. Now, listen, Mr. Hawks. I'm tired. Without your detective work, the shadow might never have been given the lead to my brother. Well, what did you expect me to do? Let a professional killer go on killing? Cranston, would you like to die now? Molly likes to handle that gun, doesn't she? No, I'm afraid you don't understand. Look at these flowers. They're beautiful. Huh? Notice the delicate shading of the petals. The graceful stems. What did you do to them? I touched them. Poor things, they withered and died. I'm sorry, I hate to kill beautiful things. Is that your kitten, Mr. Cranston? Tommy, come here, Tommy. Tommy must have been under the bed until now. Look at him stretch. Let me help you. No, leave him alone. Get back, Cranston. All I'm going to do is stroke him. There. Tommy! Why, you... My, I've done it again, Mr. Cranston. I touched him and Tommy is dead. You. You're angry, aren't you? You'd like to choke the life out of me, but you won't. Molly is very emotional and she might pull the trigger. Or have I convinced you that I have the touch of death? Get out of here. Yes. I'm glad you didn't force me to touch you. Because I need you alive. Remember your assignment. I want the shadow. And I give you 12 hours to find him. Out, get out! Keys, Mr. Cranston. Put them on the table. Oh, Molly, our friend is very stubborn. Go behind them and take them out of his pocket. Do I have to get that close to him? Bear in mind, the gun is not to go off. It won't. Not because... Drop them into my hand. Thank you. A precaution, Mr. Cranston. I don't like to be followed. 
Your keys will be in the lock on the other side of the door. How do you expect him to find the shadow if he can't get out? Why, he'll get out, my dear. The telephone is still working. Goodbye, Mr. Cranston. The shadow in 12 hours or the touch of death. Here's a chance to use your skill as a detective to save your own life. Lamont, I'm not convinced. He must know you're the shadow or he wouldn't have come here to ask you to find him. If he knows, Margot, why didn't he kill me? Yes. Why didn't he? It would have been very simple. Molly had a gun on me and Lucius had... Do you really believe he has the touch of death? Well, I don't know what he has. I saw him touch those flowers and then Tommy. Poor Tommy. Man can't be human to kill an innocent, harmless little kitten. Darling, you must do something. I'd do something. I'd do plenty if I knew where to find him. He knows where to find you. You can't just sit here and wait. Twelve hours. Ten hours, darling. Took me a long time to get you on the phone. Yes, I was out shopping, darn it. Well, I have to call off our theater date with Weston. Do you mind? Shall I phone him or will you? No, I'll do it. Uh, are you going to tell him why? I can't, Margot. Weston, I think as you did, that Lucius Hawks came here tonight because he thought that I was the shadow. Hello, Commissioner Weston talking. What do you want? Uh, this is Lamont Cranston, Commissioner. Oh, Cranston, I'm glad you called. Our date for tonight, it's off. Oh, good. I... Uh, what's good about it? An epidemic of murders has broken out all over the city. Murders? Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, Cranston. Give my best to Margot. Uh, Commissioner... Goodbye. Hello. Hello? An epidemic of murders. What are you talking about, darling? Mark, we're going down to police headquarters to see Weston. I want to know more about those murders. Well, would you mind telling me what murders? Oh, not at all. After Weston has told me. Well, all right, but I... Come on, look, a snake. Close the door, quick. Darling, Stop. darling, since when are you afraid of dead reptiles? Oh. Oh, gee, is he, is he really dead? Completely. But still useful. Ooh. What? A piece of paper in his mouth. Well, I can think of nicer ways to leave messages, even if they aren't quite so novel. Hmm. Lucius Hawks. Oh? Nothing can resist the touch of death, my friend, not even the venomous serpent. Good luck, Mr. Cranston. Good hunting. That man is a monster. Yes, a monster with a plan. He thinks he's using the strategy of terror on me. Keep your eyes on the road, Molly, and on that car ahead. Letting Cranston live. I tell you, Lucius, he's not going to find the shadow for us. He's not even going to try. How certain you are. You know why? It's because he's not afraid of you. He will be, when he knows as much about me as you do. He'd have gone for you if I didn't have the gun on him when he killed his kitten. Well, that would have been a pity. I'm sorry I didn't let him. I should have forced you to kill him. Molly, will you please understand, Mr. Cranston must be kept alive until I'm ready to make my own disposition. And it's your duty to see that he is. You're not to do anything foolish when my back is turned. But, Lucius, I promised Peter before That's he died. It's not important. Peter was my husband. And he was my brother. Now, do as I say. Yes, Lucius. You play chess, Molly. Chess? You should learn. You'd see the value of planning ahead. Look where Mr. Cranston stopped his car. Why, Lucius. Right outside police headquarters. Yes, my strategy is beginning to work. Mr. Cranston will lead me to the shadow in spite of himself.
nobody's going home. I'm putting every man on 24-hour duty. See that the order goes out right away. I want that maniac picked up today. What maniac, Commissioner? Oh, Cranston, you and Miss Lane picked a bad time to make a social call. I'm up to my ears and work. Oh, Commissioner, hello is such a small word. Margot. What maniac, Commissioner? Roy Jackson, he broke out of the institution yesterday. Jackson? Three murders in the last two hours, and the same pattern he used six years ago before the Shadow caught him for it. You mean girls? Blonde, beautiful, and all under 25. If I could only get my hands on the shadow. Why the shadow? Well, I need him. Roy Jackson's got the cunning of every homicidal maniac. And I've got to stop these killings. Commissioner. What is it? How were those girls killed? I said Roy Jackson, Cranston. That can mean only one thing. They were strangled. Are those girls at the morgue? Cranston, sometimes you ask them. No, I'd, I'd like to see them. Would you mind? No, I don't mind. But don't stick your two cents in. I don't want any amateurs... Cluttering up this case. I'll bear that in mind, Commissioner. Now, let's go, darling. Goodbye, Commissioner. Sometimes that's so much nicer than saying hello. Yes. Hey, what did you mean by that? Mm, what a mood. Oh, he doesn't mean it. Next time he sees us, he'll be apologizing all over the place. Oh, he certainly should be. Lamont, why are we going to the morgue? Playing a hunch, darling. Is it secret? No. I want to see if there's any evidence on those girls that might have been concealed by strangling. What? I don't understand. Well, simply this. Were those girls killed by Jackson or by someone else? I'm coming, I'm coming. What are you folks trying to do? Wake the dead? Hello, McCab. Oh, Mr. Cranston. Come in, come in. Thanks. Is this lady with you? Mm-hmm. I'm leaving with him, too. Huh? Oh, Miss Lane, I didn't recognize you behind them green blinkers. Okay, I'll take them off. Well, what can I show you today? Uh, those three girls who were strangled. Yeah, sure, over this way. Commissioner's sure making a fuss over them gals, Mr. Cranston. Been here twice since they got brung in. Checking and rechecking like there was some mystery. Well, he wanted to make sure that... He the... did. Second time he come, he says, Roy Jackson done it. Then he walks out of here, madder and... Oh, excuse me, Miss Lane. I got evil thoughts. Huh? Now, here's the first one. Marco? I'm all right, Lamont. Here's the second one. And here's number three. I don't know what you're looking for, Mr. Cranston, but you ain't going to find it. Well, maybe I won't, the cab. The coroner says they got strangled. That's a fact, Miss Lane. Yes, yes, I guess so. Official verdict. Huh? Hey, Miss Lane, you crying? Well, it, it just makes me so furious. It's so awful. Well, Only a maniac could have done this to them. Well, that's what Commissioner Weston says. But I... I bet you a ghost that's him now, coming back for another look. I better go let him in. Well, Lamont? Oh, nothing so far. Everything points to Jackson, his pattern. Rope around the neck from behind. The victim doesn't have a chance. Shall we go now? Oh, just a minute. But uh, what are you looking at the wrist for? I'm still playing my hunch. I hope that hunch is wrong, darling. Uh, What's that? Oh, it's McCab. McCab! What's the matter? Oh, my, look, he's on the floor. McCab! McCab! Darling, look how he's clutching his heart. I'll, I'll phone for that. Yes, please. Margot. 
Better phone for the coroner. What? Oh, Lamont. Yes, darling. Poor McCann. Heart failure. And we couldn't do a thing to help him. This may have been another warning, Margot. What? Not at all sure that McCabe's heart failure might not have been induced by murder. During the war, 85 million Americans bought war bonds. Today, those same Americans are not only holding on to their war bonds, but are buying United States savings bonds. These bonds are identical except for name to the war bonds you purchased during the war years. There were many good reasons for buying bonds during the war. We had to have the planes and the tanks and the equipment. With Victory, your Victory bonds helped bring the boys home, helped to provide needed hospitalization and care for the wounded. And yet while your war bonds and Victory bonds were doing all that, they were working for you, providing a bulwark for your own future. United States savings bonds can do that same job. They give you the opportunity to lay aside a financial nest egg for yourself. They make it possible for you to save the money that will buy you a home, that will pay for education for your children, that may be the means to start out in business. Whatever your objective, U.S. savings bonds can help to make those dreams come true. You can buy U.S. savings bonds through the payroll savings plan or at any bank or post office. For your own future, buy them and hold them. And now, back to the shadow. Several hours later, and in Lamont Cranston's apartment, Cranston and Margot Lane are listening while Commissioner Weston gloats. <laughs> I take back everything I said about the shadow of the blue sun. He doesn't hold a candle to the policeman and never will. Oh, Commissioner, he's done some good, you know. Mm, here and there, but who captured Roy Jackson, eh? My boy. Caught him flat on his back to sleep in a barn. Are you satisfied that uh, he strangled those girls? Aren't you, Cranston? Jackson denied it. So what? Well, he didn't deny the murders he committed six years ago. What's that got to do with now? Well, it breaks the pattern. <laughs> Cranston, you ought to read a book on criminology. I have, Commissioner. And on page one, it says, don't believe everything you see. Are you leading into the subject of macabre again? I am in it, Commissioner. Now, look. You kids are not going to tie me up for the night. The coroner says macabre had a heart attack. That makes it official. Well, couldn't he have been wrong? No, he couldn't. He checked that poor old guy from head to foot. There wasn't a mark on him to prove your suspicion of murder. But, Commissioner, I told you, McCabe got an insurance policy on his life only a month ago. He was examined by a doctor and found to be okay. Well, what does that prove? A lot of things can change in a month. Look, Cranston, it's getting late and I've got a big day ahead of me. And I've had enough murder for the time being. Good night. Good night, Commissioner. He's a hard man to convince, isn't he? Yes. Why didn't you tell him about Lucius Hawks? Well, I couldn't, darling. I don't know enough about him myself. But you're sure he killed McCabe? Not only McCabe, darling. I'm sure he killed those girls. Well, why then? He wants the shadow. And Margot, he'll keep killing until he gets the shadow. Oh. Excuse me. Of course. Hello? Hello, Mr. Cranston. Lucius. Well, my friend, have you good news to report? Not yet. Oh, what a pity. Your time is nearly up, you know. I'll need more, Lucius. More time, but I gave you 12 hours. I'm sorry, I'm not a miracle man. And I thought you were. How we misjudge people. Well, have you at least a lead? I... I don't know. I might have. Would you like to tell me about it? I can. You will. Come to my apartment, 972 Park Drive. And come alone. 
Very well. I'll be there in half an hour. Margo, this is the break I've been waiting for. Come on, darling. I'll take you home. Lamont, you are not going there alone. Of course. But suppose it's a trap. If he as much as suspects that you are the shadow... Don't him... worry, darling. He won't kill me. Well, I'm going with you. Now, Margo. Don't try to talk me out of it, Lamont, because you can't get rid of me. All right. And I hope you know what you're doing. He's coming, my dear. Here's your sandwich. Thank you, Molly. Did you say you wanted coffee or milk? I didn't say, but milk, of course, warm. Oh, heat some up. No, wait. Uh, don't hurry. I can do that myself later. I don't mind. Molly, it's too bad that I won't be here to greet Mr. Cranston. Why, are you going away? Yes, I must. But you'll stay, won't you? Sure. Of course you will. What are you doing? I'm going to kill you, my dear. No. I can't tell you how sorry I am, but it's part of my plan. But why? Why? Conclusive proof of the touch of death. It should convince Mr. Cranston that I mean business. Oh, no, don't touch me, please. Let me live. Don't please. run away, Molly. There's no pain in death. Please. Please, I don't want to die. Who does? But it comes to all of us sooner no. or later. No, no, no. And to you, it must come no. sooner. You've no place to go no. now, Molly. You're in a corner. No. Goodbye, my dear. <laughs> Poor Molly. Just a line in a blueprint. He's not going to open it, Lamont. And I will. No, no, please don't go in there. What's the matter? Can't you see it's a trap, dear? He didn't answer the buzzer. He left the door unlocked for you to open, and he's waiting somewhere in there to kill you. Let's not keep him waiting. But... Just a minute, Mark. Why did you stop? Oh. Molly. Is she dead? No, in a minute. And she's dead. The touch of death? Maybe. No mark on it. Oh, Lamont. It should down, doesn't it? Why, Molly, his sister-in-law, his, his own brother's wife. Well, I don't know, but I've got to find... Wait a minute, look at this. What? On her wrist, a tiny mark. I don't see anything. The crease. Did you see it now? Well, nothing that looks like a mark to me. No, look closely, right here. No, no, but I see something else, Lamont. What? A note on that typewriter on the table. It leaves in messages, doesn't it? What does it say? It says... One by one, the evidence mounts. You next, Mr. Cranston. If the shadow isn't in your apartment before morning, don't keep me waiting. Lamont, he knows. We'll soon find out. Well, what are you going to do? Nothing. The shadow is not going to keep Lucius waiting. <laughs> Thank you. A compliment from one so high. It's too bad you can't keep those hands from killing. Yes, you see, they're not as sentimental as I am. Shadow, you impress me. Do I? Yes, you're all my sister-in-law and Mr. Cranston said you are. Invisible. I didn't quite believe it, you know. Being secluded in the jungles of the Amazon for ten years, one 
loses touch with modern science. But not with death, eh, Lucius? Listen. This is a native death chant that I've written into a symphony. no other way to meet you. And the cop? And your sister-in-law? Ah, uh, then Mr. Cranston has told you everything? <laughs> the shadow doesn't have to be told. The shadow knows. The shadow and Mr. Cranston, where does one begin and the other end? I wonder. I can tell you what your end will be, Lucius. Mere assumption. Sit down, my friend. And make yourself visible. We can talk more affably. Perhaps even reach an understanding. Shadow doesn't sit with murderers. Well, then perhaps Mr. Cranston will sit down with me. Mr. Cranston? Yes. You see, I know who you are. I suspected it from the beginning, but I needed the proof to convince myself. <laughs> You're bluffing, Lucius. Am I? Well, look at the marks that your shoes are leaving on the rug. Huh? With each step, you leave the mark of Lamont Cranston. Am I bluffing now? It won't help you, Lucius. Oh, Shadow, you're not as clever as I thought you might be. I outsmarted you. I phoned Lamont Cranston to come to my apartment. And then I killed Molly. That was a trap that I had set for you. And you walked right into it. Into the paraffin that I had smeared around Molly's body. And now the Shadow has brought it here. So what am I to think? Well, what about it? Well, that's a sensible question. Your power to make yourself invisible... My power to kill with a touch. Combine them, and we can have anything we want. I see. As equal partners? Of course. Oh, no. I want more. Oh, greedy, aren't you? Very well, how much? I want everything. What? Are you serious? <laughs> when I bargain with murderers, I have no sense of humor, Lucius. Get on that phone. Call the police. Tell them everything you did today. But if I should also tell them who the shadow is... Go ahead. Every newspaper in the city will carry the story. What do you suppose the underworld would do to Lamont Cranston then? He'll take his chances with the underworld, Lucius. A phone? Well, I'm afraid you give me no alternative. I'll have to kill you. Don't try to get away. I know exactly where you are. Your shoe prints tell me. You're... You're behind the table. Where, Lucius? Well, you're, you're, you're still behind the table. Am I? Well, you must be. <laughs> I'll find you. I'll find you that paraffin on your shoes. And when I do... Oh! What will you do, Lucius? My arm, my arm. Why don't you touch me? Oh! I'm right here behind you holding your wrist. Why don't you kill me? I can't stand it. Let me go. Didn't you know that paraffin could be wiped off? <laughs> you didn't think of that, did you? Shadow, please, I won't betray you. Let me In go. In a moment. First, I'll rip off this glove. Now I've got your touch of death. Oh, you almost broke my arm. Very ingenious to find a glove that fits over the hand and looks exactly like a human hand. And under each nail, a fine needle with poison on it. The case against you is complete, Lucius. Is it? Oh, no, Shadow, because I still have the other glove. Sorry, Lucius. Not now, Shadow. Stop it. <laughs> So, Lucius, the last victim of the touch of death. 
Too bad you didn't think of your own death before you killed others. <laughs> well, good night, darling. Better get home, get some of that sleep as long over you. Wait just one minute. I'm still nervous about how close the shadow came to being revealed. Do you know that your life wouldn't have been worth a pincushion? I know, darling. It was the closest call the shadow ever had. Yes, but there's one thing I don't understand. Hmm? How could the coroner have said that McCab died of heart failure when actually he was poisoned? Well, Margot, there's some poisons that are so deadly and so mysterious their presence in the blood can't be detected. Natives of the Amazon jungles produce such a poison. Oh, I see. I'm glad you can because I can't. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> darling, I'm so sleepy that you and the street all around you are almost invisible. Oh. <laughs> The Shadow Program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, The Shadow will demonstrate that... The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. <laughs> Stay tuned for Robert Young starring in Father Knows Best next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now let's listen in as Robert Young as Jim Anderson tries to teach the kids about being a good citizen. Mother, are post 40% bran flakes really the best tasting cereal of them all? Well, your father says so, and father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by America's largest-selling brand flakes, Post 40% brand flakes, and by Instant Postum, the good-tasting drink that's entirely caffeine-free. of good citizenship, according to one James Anderson, lies not only in doing one's part toward the betterment of his society, but in volunteering to do one's part, not sitting back and waiting to be asked. As a matter of fact, this was the subject of a lecture delivered to his children one evening last week in the white frame house on Maple Street. But that was last week. This evening, Jim has forgotten the whole thing as he sits in the den, scanning the newspaper while his helpmate Margaret sits nearby with a darning basket full of socks. Like this. Jim. Hmm? I know I've asked you this before, dear, but I've never really gotten a satisfactory answer. What's that, dear? Please tell me, how do you manage to wear your socks out in the arches? Oh, Margaret, I don't do that. Well, just look at this sock. Must be faulty workmanship. Nobody could possibly wear socks out in the arch. Hmm. Well, that's why I want to know how you do it. I must ask Mrs. Davis if Ed does that. Oh, now, don't go spreading that all over the neighborhood. Mommy! You know, you ought to let someone check your feet sometime, like, uh, say, the Smithsonian Institute. Mommy, hmm. where's Daddy? 
Oh, hello, Daddy. Hello, kitten. Say, Daddy, do you remember that talk you gave us about citizens and all that? Citizenship? Yeah, that's it. I certainly do. I keep hoping that it sunk in a little bit. I remembered it. Good. At our Robins meeting after school today, we heard about a family that moved here, and their daddy can't get any work, and they need help. So, I did like you said, Daddy. I volunteered to help them. Well, that's real nice, Kathy. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. If everyone would willingly and voluntarily do his little bit for the community, this would be a better world to live in. How do you propose to help this family, Kathy? I volunteered that old tan suit of Daddy's. What? They said it just fit him, too. Wait a minute. You mean you gave my good suit away? Dear, that wasn't your good suit. Well, I still wear it. It was a wonderful piece of material. Good herringbone pattern. Did I do wrong, Daddy? Well... You said you wanted us to volunteer. Yes, well, that's right. I do want you to, but after this, I wish you'd check with me before you go around volunteering my good clothes. He, uh, he's already got the suit, huh? Uh-huh. And the hat, too. <laughs> the hat? Not my brown one. Uh-huh. Good. You looked awful in that hat. It was comfortable. Takes a long time to break a hat in to where it really feels good on you. Daddy, do you want me to just forget all that stuff you told us? No, 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 no. I want you to remember all that stuff and put it into action. But, uh, check with me first. Yes, Daddy. Well, now that that's settled, I want you to go upstairs and start getting ready for bed, Kathy. Ah, oh, gee, it's early, Mommy. I know it, but I want you to wash your hair. Do I have to? I don't know where you Robins hold your meetings, but it must be in a sand pit. Now, you get upstairs and shampoo your head real good. Okay. <laughs> well, looks like your words of wisdom the other night made quite an impression after all. Yes, too good an impression. I always felt good in that suit. Oh, Jim, stop worrying about that suit. It was time you stopped wearing it. Everyone around town was beginning to think that was the only suit you had. Well, suits have a certain feel to them. Some of them give a man a sense of confidence. Never get another one that hung like that on me. I hope not. <laughs> Dad! Seems like I've lost an old friend. Dad! In the den, bud. Oh, Hi. Where was our wandering boy been tonight? Oh, junior high Y. Well, good. What's new with the high Y crowd? Oh, we're going to have a big affair and, and invite all the dads. The junior high Y hijinks. Pretty good name, huh? Great. Uh, there's something I want to check with you, Dad. Okay, go ahead and check. Well, it came up about having entertainment at this thing. You know, get up some acts and junk. Uh-huh. And they needed somebody to be the head of it, and nobody said anything... And then I remembered what you said the other night about volunteering and being a good citizen and all that. And... Well, I'm glad to hear that you remembered, bud. Doing one's part voluntarily and cheerfully makes for a better society. Yeah. So you volunteered, huh? Well, yeah, I, in a way. I, I told them I wanted to check with you first. Oh, it's perfectly all right with me. You sure now? Oh, yes. In fact, I think it's a good idea. Well, swell. I'll call Joe Phillips and tell him it's all set. Uh, Joe's the head general chairman. I see. Okay to use the phone in here? Sure, go ahead. You won't bother us. Okay. I'm glad to see Bud take an active part in things. He needs to be a little more aggressive. Yes. He's inclined to sit back and let someone else be the leader. Hello, Joe. Bud. You home? So am I. 
I always like that intelligent conversation he and Joe had. Well, yeah, Joe, uh, that's what I called you up about. I just talked to Dad, and he said he'd be happy to head up the entertainment. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was all for it, so it's all set, Joe. Now, wait a minute. Well, okay, Joe. See you tomorrow. Bye. Now, just a second, bud. Let me get this straight. I thought you were volunteering for this job. Well, yeah. I volunteered you. <laughs> Would you explain that just a little more fully? Well, you see, Dad, we're going to have the dads at this high jump. Yes, yes, I got that. And like last year, we decided to put them on different committees. And I volunteered you for the entertainment. Oh, me. Well, can't you unvolunteer me? Well, you said it was all right before I called Joe. And he's already put you down for it. Oh, that's just dandy. Doing one's part voluntarily and cheerfully makes for better society. All right, Margaret. Well, what acts do you think you'll get up, Dad? I don't know. Well, you better get to work on it right away because they want to pin up a program for it. Mm-hmm. Look, bud, don't you think it would be better if you boys did all the work yourselves? Oh, no, this is a tradition. What is? Working the dads in on this thing. Last year, they said Ollie Ziegler's dad headed up the entertainment, and it was the best they ever had. They're still talking about it. They are, huh? Yeah, but I told them you'd do even better. But I appreciate your loyalty and all that. Well, uh, uh, I got to get upstairs. Got some homework to do. Well, wait, bud. Sure was keen of you to volunteer, Dad. Yeah, wasn't it? Night. Hmm. Judging from the results of that uh, citizenship speech you made to the children, it must have been one of the best of your career. Well, it's still the right idea. It was just misinterpreted. Exactly what kind of uh, entertainment are you going to put on? Going to work up a few acrobatic stunts? All right, don't rub it in. Mother! Where's she been, out with Ralph again? No, I think she's just been to the library. Where are you, Mother? In the den, Betty. Oh, Mother, it looks like I'm... Oh, I didn't know you were in here, Father. Why, do you want to talk to your mother? Oh, no. No, I want to talk to you, too. I want your advice. Uh Uh-oh. What trouble am I in now? Well, you're not in any trouble, Father. Well, just how am I involved in whatever this is? Well, you're not involved at all. Well, that's the first good news I've had all day. Sit down. This I want to hear. Are you in any trouble, Betty? Well, not exactly, but it looks like I'm going to be a witness. A witness? What kind of a witness? A regular kind, you know, in court. Oh, dear. It happened on the way home from the library. I was just getting ready to cross Oak Street when these two cars bumped into each other. What two cars? I don't know exactly. Bob Reynolds and some woman. Who's Bob Reynolds? Mother, he's a senior at college, and he has the most wonderful brown eyes you've ever seen. (laughs) Actually, Mother, I mean, they're utterly penetrating. All right, we know about his eyes, but who is he? (laughs) They're they're penetrating, but yet they're friendly at the same time. Oh, fine. You're going to make a wonderful witness. (laughs) I hope so. For his sake. Betty, how are you involved in this? You you weren't in the accident, were you? Oh, no, no, I just witnessed it. Was anyone hurt? No. It didn't do the cars any good, though. Well, you didn't have anything to do with it. No, but I'm signed up. He took my name. Reynolds did? Yes, Father. At first, I was going to hurry away so I wouldn't get involved. But then I remembered what you said about being a good citizen and volunteering to help. I see. So when Bob jumped out of his car and he came over toward me, I just stood there and... 
gave him my name and my address. You know. <laughs> You'd have been better off if you just walked away. No, Margaret, that's where you're wrong. Betty did the right thing. I've never seen such wonderful eyes before. As an insurance man, I know how hard it is to get witnesses in these accident cases. Everyone is afraid of being dragged into court. And that's an entirely wrong attitude. Well, what I meant, dear, We should be was... willing and eager to volunteer any information that will aid justice being done. We agree, dear. Well, it's true. You did the right thing, Betty. I'm proud of you. Well, thanks, Father. But creepers, I don't know what I'll say when I get on the witness stand. Well, that's nothing to worry about. You just tell the truth. Well, yes, but... Anyway, chances are the case will never get to court. Most of these cases are settled by the insurance companies. Were there any other witnesses? No, I was the only one. Well, then, Mr. Brown Eyes is practically a cinch. One witness, if there's only one, carries a lot of weight. Well, I hope so. He was so nice. But in any event, just tell the truth. Well, the only trouble is, I... I'm not sure what is the truth. What do you mean? Well, when Bob took down my name, he asked me if I saw the woman go through a red light, and I said yes, and he put that down, too. Well, that's all right. But after I got thinking about it, I couldn't remember whether the light was red or green. I don't even remember seeing a traffic light. Oh, fine. All I remember is those deep brown eyes. Well, I wouldn't worry. Sounds like that woman hasn't a chance. It'll never go to court. That's probably the court now with the summons for me. No, it isn't. Hello? Oh, yes, Mrs. Paisley. Oh? When was that? I see. Well, you come in in the morning and make a full report to Mr. Roberts. He's in charge of that. Oh? Well, we'll do what we can, Mrs. Paisley. And we'll see you in the morning. Yes. Goodbye. Oh, me. Who's Mrs. Paisley? She happens to be a very big insurance client of mine. And she also happens to be the woman who was involved in that accident with brown eyes. Oh, really? Your client? And according to her, it was brown eyes who ran the signal, not her. Did she say that? Yes. And she said there was a girl who saw the accident, and if we can locate that girl, she'll prove it was Reynolds' fault. Oh, no. And I thought this was one good deed that I wouldn't be involved in. Me and my big, fat lectures. Jim Anderson still feels that the basis of good citizenship lies in voluntary performance of one's civic duties, he regrets having pounded home the message so firmly. In each instance where the children tried to carry out his advice, the civic duty somehow involved him. It's noon of the next day now, and as Margaret and Betty await the arrival of the other members of the family for lunch, Margaret has a few words of advice for her eldest daughter, like this. Betty, you've just got to stop worrying about this witness business. You're going to make yourself sick. I know it, but I can't help it, Mother. Your father says hardly any of these cases ever go to court anyway now, so forget it. I'll try. If you were to be called as a witness, you'd have heard by now. But if I am called, I just don't know what to say. If I'm on Bob Reynolds' side, why then Father's insurance company will lose the case. Well, don't worry about that. 
I'm sure that's all in a day's work for an insurance company. That's what they're in business for. What kind of a daughter would I be testifying against my own father's company? Mm. Well, help me set the table and forget it, will you? But on the other hand, if I testify for father, then I'll betray poor Bob. And he has such beautiful eyes. <laughs> well, Betty, honey, you can't switch around and testify for whomever you please. All you can do is tell the truth. That's another thing. I'm not sure what actually happened. Mother, I just can't go through with this. Hi, Mommy. Lunch ready? Mm, almost, Kathy. By the time you wash your hands, it will be. Hi, Betty. You been to court yet? No. When do you go? Can I come and watch? Kathy, don't talk about it. Just go and wash. Hi, Mom. Dad home yet? Not yet, bud. I wish she'd hurry. They want to know what acts he's worked up for the hijinks. Betty, will you have to see if you're guilty or not guilty? Mother, will you please make her keep quiet? Oh, turn blue. <laughs> girls, girls. What's all this squabble about? Is it about Betty going to jail? I'm not going to jail. I'm going to court. Well, practically the same thing. It is not. All right, children, let's don't start a fight. I think I heard your father come in the front door. Oh, boy. I've got to get on him right away about those acts. I hope he's still speaking to me. Oh, Betty, stop that. Hello, Jim. You look tired. No, I'm not tired. I just had a sort of an undermining experience this morning. You say, Dad. Hello, son. Well, what happened, dear? Dad. Oh, it seems that word has gotten all over town that the insurance company's gone on the rocks and I'm out of a job. What? Gee, Father, is it on account of losing the Reynolds case? No, no, no. We haven't lost any case. and It has nothing to do with that. Dad. What caused the whole thing is that suit of mine Kathy gave away. Oh, say, I heard today that the man was real awful thankful for the suit. Said it just fit him peachy. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Dad. Dear, I don't follow this at all. What happened? Well, I got a strange phone call from Ed Grayson this morning, offering me a job at his place. A job? And right on top of that, Ray Dickens called and said they might have a place for me in their organization. Well, that's strange. Dad. And then I uh, <laughs> finally found out through a grapevine of secretaries that Grayson saw this fellow wearing my suit and hat in the line at the unemployment bureau. <laughs> He thought it was me. Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> well, this is no laughing matter, Margaret. That sort of thing doesn't help a man's business standing, especially when it gets spread all over town. Oh, it's not all over town. Apparently just two people know it. Well, you know how that kind of news spreads. <laughs> Dad. What is it, bud? Well, Dad, I, I've got to know... Father, you didn't explain what happened in the accident case. Holy cow. Oh, I don't know, Betty. Roberts is handling that. He's taking it up with a man from Reynolds Insurance Company this noon. Is that when they decide if it goes to court? Possibly, but I don't think it will. Dad. Will they call me in right away? I said I don't think it'll go to court. However, you could be of value in helping settle it, though. There seems to be a wide difference of opinion on what happened. Who entered the intersection first, Reynolds or Mrs. Paisley? Um, I think it was Mrs. Paisley. Well, good. Or maybe it was Bob Reynolds. Oh, fine. I know it was one or the other. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're sure of something. Dad. Which would be better for Bob? Betty, that's not quite the way cases are conducted. Mm. That's what I've been trying to tell her. All you have to do is switch around on your testimony just once, and you can be convicted of perjury. Really? Can I go and visit Betty in jail? <laughs> Kathy, child, for goodness sake, stop talking like that. 
Dad. Betty's worried herself half sick as it is. Now don't worry her anymore. Dad. If they call me, I just don't know what I'll do. Kathy. What do you want, bud? Nothing. I just wanted to see if somebody would talk to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. What do you want? Well, it's about the hijinks entertainment, Dad. Oh, that. They want to print up programs, and they have to know what acts you've got lined up right away. They do, huh? Yeah. You haven't got a whole lot of time left. How much time have I got? Uh, 11 minutes. What? Well, the deadline is at 12.30. They're going to call here and get the list from you. Oh, me. Well, what funny acts have you thought up so far, Dad? Uh, so far? Yeah. Well, Bud, to be honest, I haven't had a minute's time to even think about it. You haven't? Dad, the deadline is 12.30. Yes, I know that. Uh, maybe we could, uh... Well, how about that quartet at my lodge? They have a couple of comedy numbers and... They had them last year. Oh. Well, the Masterson family all play harmonicas. They, they have a little band and... Had them last year. Oh. Well, uh... How about... Had them last year. <laughs> Wait till I tell you who I was going to suggest. Well, who is it? Uh, well, I hadn't really thought up anybody yet. I'm sure they had him last year anyway. I don't know whether you two impresarios know it or not, but while this weighty discussion is going on, your food's on the table and everything's getting cold. I'm eating. Well, good for you, Kathy. She's the only normal one around here. Did you hear that, Bud? I'm normal. So what? Betty, please sit down and try to eat a little something. It might make you feel better. Oh, I just don't feel like it, Mother. I don't know what I'll do when they call me. They're not going to. Tell them you're sick in bed. That lot of good that'd do. I've seen pictures in the paper where they haul witnesses into court on stretchers. Dad, you better get to thinking. Deadline's getting close. I'm thinking. How about, uh... Oh, gosh, that's them. What are you going to tell them, Dad? Oh, that's for me. I know it is. Father, what am I going to tell them? Well, someone better answer that, or there won't be anybody there to tell anything to. See, that's a good idea. I'll get it. Oh, she would. Hello? Who? Oh, I wish I weren't here. Oh, yes? Think fast, Dad. you got to tell them something. Just a minute. Oh, dear, I don't know what to tell them. Me? It's the program committee, Dad. But I don't know what to tell them. Well, make up something. They're depending on you. Mm. Hello. Who did you say this was? The Unemployment Bureau. Are they on the committee, Bob? Yes, this is Jim Anderson, but I don't know anyone by that name. Potter, did you say? Oh, Daddy, Daddy, that's the man. Just a minute. What did you say, Kathy? Mr. Oh. That's him. Well, he gave my name as a reference. I don't even know him. Jim, he's probably desperate, and he's only trying to get started. But go see who's at the front door. Okay. Hello? Well, yes, I have a sort of a connection with this man, Potter. I didn't place him for a minute there. I see. Well, what kind of work is he looking for? Uh-huh. What uh, experience has he had? Uh, what kind of jobs has he held? It's for you, Betty. Some geek by the name of Reynolds. Reynolds? Oh, Mother, they've come for me. <laughs> well, for 
for heaven's sakes, it's not as bad as all that. Go in there and talk to him. Oh, I can't. I just can't. Oh, just a minute, sir. Will you please stop all that moaning? I can't hear a thing on the phone. Go in there, Betty, and talk to him. This doesn't mean you're going to jail or anything. If you do, I'll send you a postcard. <laughs> no, you keep quiet. All right, now, I wonder if you'd repeat that list. I'll bet the program committee's trying to call us right now. Wait a minute. What was that last one? Are you sure about that? Well, does he still have all the equipment or, or whatever he used? Ask if he still likes his suit. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, would you give me his phone number? Oh, well, then give me his address. I'll go over and see him. I know where he lives. 1814 South Menlo. All right, fine. And thanks for calling. Goodbye. Dad, look at the clock. 1230. What did you say about him, Jim? Does he still like his suit? Well, now, wait one at a time. Uh-oh, that's them, Dad. What are we going to do? Go ahead and answer it. Well... Okay. Tell us about Mr. Potter, Jim. Oh? Oh, hi. Yeah, just a minute. Well, Dad, it's the program committee. Fine. Tell them that the show will be headlined by a sensational comedy juggling act that once played the old Palace Theater in New York. Are you kidding? No. The name of the act is Potter and Patter. Potter? Tell them that, Bob. Okay. Hey, Dad says the show's going to be a sensational act from New York. Potter and Patter. Is this true, Jim? Yes, Potter's an old vaudevillian and evidently was pretty good in his day. Yeah, comedy and juggling and everything. His wife works the act with him. Got that? Okay. Yeah, I'll see you later. Bye. Oh, boy, did that set their old ears flapping, especially when I said New York. Yes, that's a magic word. Boy, you sure did it, Dad. I got to hand it to you. Well, thank you, son. Lucky I gave Mr. Potter that suit, wasn't it, Daddy? Yes, kitten, luckiest thing in the world. Mother! Mother! Oh, dear, poor Betty. I hope this thing doesn't upset her too much. Mother, guess what? I'm going with Bob Reynolds. To court? No. To jail? No, to the Terra Supper Club. <laughs> Not a place for a trial. Well, there's no trial. He said that was all settled by the insurance companies. And, Father, you know those wonderful brown eyes of his? And by now, who doesn't? They're not brown at all. They're blue. <laughs> oh, me. Couldn't even get that right. <laughs> and now, before our final surprise of the show, let's join Margaret and Betty in the kitchen. Betty, where's the new jar of postum I asked you to get? Oh, I forgot all about it and the excitement and all. I'm... Well, you better get some before supper. You know how your father loves his postum. You can't blame Jim Anderson either. Postum is a mighty comforting drink, especially at night. For you see, unlike coffee and tea, instant postum contains no caffeine, nothing to keep you awake or make you nervous. Now, of course, caffeine doesn't bother many people, but then why take chances? Maybe it does bother you. So how about joining Jim and the millions of others who drink caffeine-free Postum regularly? Well, Jim Sage words regarding true citizenship finally paid off as Jim now steadfastly maintains he always knew they would. The Junior High Y hijinks with its entertainment chairman, James Anderson, is now a matter of record. 
As a matter of fact, one of the best reports on it was delivered by Jim himself to his wife as he prepared for bed after the hijinks that night. It uh, went something like this. And you should have heard the applause, Margaret. They wouldn't let the Potters get off the stage. Oh, I'm so happy it turned out that way. And after the thing was over, they voted this the best show they ever had. Even better than last year. I bet Bud was proud of you. Yeah, his eyes really sparkled. That was worth the whole thing. Even worth volunteering for? Hmm? Uh, definitely. <laughs> but, Margaret, the greatest thrill of all was seeing the look in the eyes of the Potters while they were performing. It seemed as though they were suddenly living again. I wish I could have seen it. I wish so, too. And, uh, you know that suit I was moaning about losing? Yes. Well, it never looked better than it did tonight. Never. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson. Until then, good night and good luck from the makers of Post 40% Brand Flakes, America's largest selling brand flakes, and Instant Postum, the drink that's entirely caffeine-free. In our cast were Ted Donaldson as Bud, Dorothy Lovett, Barry Lee Robb, and Helen Strome. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Paul West and Roswell Rogers. This is Bill Foreman speaking. When you drive too fast for winter's road conditions, you are gambling with your life and the lives of others. Join America's professional truck drivers in their current crusade against excessive speed and help reduce traffic accidents. Tonight, play Truth or Consequences on NBC. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nick Carter, Master Detective, followed by my friend Irma. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.